Hello, Atlanta sports fans. My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky hijinks, insight, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham? Uh, it was doing a lot better until we sat down and started discussing the state of Atlanta sports. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good. You know, got home, everybody's hanging out, and then uh, we realized why we're together to record the show, and then we started to get sad. There's a lot of negativity going on right now. Here's, here's the state of uh, Atlanta sports right now. So we have three professional teams, correct? Correct. Well, four. Got to count Atlanta United. Don't forget about them. <laughs> Damn it. There's my bias showing again. Yep. <laughs> well. Soccer-phobe. I suppose. We, we, yeah, yes, we have one new professional team. But anyways, our other three. Um, two of them, their season just ended. One in historically bad fashion. Yep. Never happened that way before. And nope. the other one just in depressingly bad and pathetic fashion. Predictable. Falcons and Hawks you're referencing, respectively. Yes. Yes. And then our third professional team is down 5-0 in the first inning with a 46-year-old pitcher. So besides those three fledgling teams, we have our one fledgling podcast that we are contractually obligated to talk about said teams once a week for the rest of our lives. Yeah, can't get out of that. That no one wants to listen to. Nope. So besides that, I'm doing great, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Um, so yeah, it jumps us right into our Braves segment. So as of today, when we're recording this, May 9th, 2017, the Braves are 11 and 18. They lost two of three against the Mets to kick off their homestand, and then were subsequently swept by the Cardinals in the next three games. Uh, with the last game being a really agonizing one, losing in 14 innings. So. Apparently the Braves have never heard of the uh, the old saying, home field advantage. doesn't exist. I think we've won five games at SunTrust Park out of, what, 15? Something like that. Can we move back into Turner? A little too late. I think Georgia State took out the center field wall like a month ago. Uh, so that, that could be an issue. Yeah. Uh, so, as we mentioned, the uh, we suck at home, and the starters really suck, no matter what, but especially at home. Uh, we gave up 51 runs through those six games. And for those of you who are shit at math, that's a little over eight runs a game. That's not going to do it. Yeah. Our, um, so, as we mentioned, Bartolo is um, going downhill. Yeah. Real fast. Certainly. Starting to show his age. Fulty got shelled. He got shelled. But I'm not really too concerned about him, honestly. Um, yet, because... Uh, He's been our rock, surprisingly, as our fifth starter. He's been our best pitcher. Um, I think going into that start, his ERA was under three. So I know he got destroyed for seven runs, but I'm going to look at that as hopefully an outlier because he's been pretty solid ever since, you know, getting off to a rough start for his first couple starts and really bouncing back nicely. So I hope this is just a, a hiccup in the road for him. Uh, besides him, though, we also have Julio, who looks more like a number four starter and yeah. close to our ace. Yeah, he hasn't looked good. His ERA is in the fours. Um, I mean, those home runs he was giving up at the game you went to on Saturday. Just, oh, yeah. He was terrible. Every time you turn around, he was um, giving up a home run. Carpenter destroyed him. Um, Matt Adams also hit a home run. Even outs that occurred were really hard hit. Ender made a couple of really beautiful running catches, and had he not, you know, if we don't have Ender, we give, he gives up seven, eight runs in that game. Yeah. I mean, Julio just doesn't have the stuff to not hit his spots. Like, 
Yeah, he's got to be pinpoint he's not blowing people away. No, with... his his velocity is not what it was, um, but his location. Yeah, you're right. Location is the key for him. Right. So if he if he's missing, they're going to get hit far. Yeah, and we saw that on Saturday, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, pitching staff was just destroyed last week, as mentioned. Um, as a whole, they have a 4.72 ERA as a rotation. Bartolo's ERA is 6.27. Uh, he's given up at least four runs or more in his last three starts. And as we mentioned, Tehran's also struggled, uh, giving up at least four runs in three of his last four starts and walking 12. So it's just all all stats, whether you're a stats guy or eye test guy, um, those two guys have been the worst pitchers for us this year. I wrote down a really what what is now a completely completely irrelevant uh, stat about Bartolo mm-hmm. prior to this current start in Houston. Uh, Bartolo in his career was four zero with one thirty eight ERA in Houston. Um, so that's that's not holding water tonight as he no. is uh, given up five runs in the first inning, two homers, one to Beltran, our longtime nemesis, and another to Carlos Correa. It was a three run shot. Maybe the Braves can't be relevant until Carlos Beltran retires. He has been one of our greatest tormentors. That's a theory. That's a theory, but I mean, it's it's just been frustrating too because you can see, you know, especially from an offensive standpoint. I mean, as mentioned, he scored twenty five runs in a week over six games. That ain't bad. We got shut out one game, but every other game we were scoring five, seven, four. Runs. We scored nine runs against the Mets one night. Which last um, year we would have killed for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and so that's been frustrating. It's like you actually have decent offensive pieces this year and guys who are producing maybe a little better than we thought, like a Brandon Phillips. Um, that certainly comes to mind. And, and Freddie's just on another planet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, pitching-wise, you know, Jaime Garcia's been okay. Dickey's been okay. Neither one of them are going to, you know, put you over the top, but... But you can win games with them. They've given you a chance to win. Bartolo and Julio have certainly not. And Fulte have been pitching his ass off until last week. So um, we hope that things can align. But I I think, honestly, it's time to push the panic button on on Bartolo Colon. How how many starts do you give him, Adam, until we say no more? I I was going to say two for tonight. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to get through May. Give them till the end of May. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you. It's um, just the home runs that are so troubling to me. We actually actually hasn't given up too many home runs. I think he's only given up two in his last four starts, not counting tonight, unless my uh, stats are wrong. But uh, he's just leaving so many pitches over the middle of the plate. And talk about you, you know you got to locate when you throw the ball eighty eight miles an hour for the most part. If you're not hitting location and you're fat over the middle of the plate, especially against Good offenses like, um, you know, St. Louis, which doesn't have a great offense, but they're solid. You yeah. know, Carpenter, Prechuck, and other guys are, are, you know, not to be trifled with. Um, or Washington, you know, you're going to get destroyed, and that's exactly what's happened to Bartolo. So, um, yeah, I, I give him to the end of the month, too, and, and only for this reason. Um, you want to try to see if he can get on a stretch where he can put together three or four good starts. And then see if you can flip him at this point. That's true. Because I, I think we can tell sort of where we're going with this team. I'm not saying give up or anything. But, um, you know, Cologne and Dickey were brought in here to do one thing. That's, you know, 
be a stopgap solution. And hopefully you can flip them for prospects or a piece that maybe you can use down the road or maybe a piece that, can use, that you can use this year. And you just hope that he can do something to increase his trade value just for a second so that maybe some desperate-ass team... Yeah, two will, good starts. That's all it takes for pitcher-needy teams. Yeah, if you can do two good starts in a row, maybe throw a third or maybe go on a little bit of a run, like I think he's still capable of, then you can flip him. But he's got two more starts regardless. Um and if he doesn't perform, you gotta pull him and bring up a guy like a Lucas Sims. Or yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that's the guy that we gotta give a shot up here. I mean, he's kicking ass. Yeah, he's in AAA now. He's been in our system forever now. Yeah, he sort of faded, you know, receded to the background with all these. Uh, he's part of the Frank Wren era, and he uh, ever since we started drafting pitchers, trading for pitchers, stockpiling our system with uh, with pitchers, you know, he he hasn't really been mentioned um, that much. But he's worked his way up to AAA. He's uh, Reworked his mechanics a little bit, and he looks like he's on track to definitely come up here sooner rather than later. So yeah, I mean, at some point you got to give these young guys. If 2017 is a lost season, which I still hope it's not, but if it is a lost season, then these guys got to get up here and go through their growing pains. Yeah, in 2017 versus 2018, 2019. Yeah, at least it'll give us something to look forward to. Uh, you know, you, you hear Freddie Freeman the other day. He's like, I, "We have to just fucking start winning. Like this is just getting too frustrating." You can hear Snedker, too. He's not making as many excuses or saying, yeah, we're almost there, you know. We just got to put it together. He's not really saying that anymore. Yeah. I think it's starting to wear on the players and the coaches, and uh, something's got to give because the season's not lost, but it's approaching that point if we don't turn it around. Yeah, soon. these losing streaks are not a laughing matter anymore. No, no. Um, the lack of consistency. Yeah. So, uh, some other news about the Braves. We uh, cut Ryan Howard, so Adam officially owes me $10. And because um, I predicted he would not even make the team. He hit 184 during his time with Gwinnett with just one home run. Adam, last week you said the Braves don't give a shit about how Howard hits in the minors. How do you feel about that take now? I, I still agree that they shouldn't have given a shit and put him up here instead. Clearly f- they did, though. <laughs> well, I'm not speaking for the Braves. I'm speaking... Um, into how I feel like they should have handled the situation. And I would still would like to see the guy. I'm a Ryan Howard supporter to this day. But that shows my credibility, which is going yep. downhill. Right into the shitter. And uh, you're uh, following me there since you associate with me. Of course. I'm right behind <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I figure you can't be on a podcast and not show confidence and make a bold statement. Of course like not. Those. Yeah, so, not. you know, I, I stand by it. Okay. Um, well. But yeah, that, that I, I saw that, <laughs> I saw that update on Bleach Report pop up on my phone. It was just like, damn it. And then <laughs> literally three seconds later, you text me, you owe me $10. <laughs> yep. I was quite pleased. <laughs> I bet you were. Um, and also, I just thought it was a stupid move. So I'm glad it's over and um, we don't have to deal with it. Even though I know I also said last week it was like you know so desperate at that point or maybe it was a couple weeks Would ago have been something to like look for at least yeah a excited I, about I guess but I, I think his his days are his his best days are behind him clearly and and we know that but also I just think him just being a competent major league baseball player is not within reach anymore so I think they saw that in AAA and and got rid of him we did make a trade though did make a trade traded for Danny Santana switch hitting utility man. Um, we traded left-hander Kevin Chapman. So we traded Kevin Chapman to the Twins. Twins sent us Danny Santana. 
Santana's gotten off to a blistering start this year, folks, hitting 200 through 13 games before being demoted to AAA. <laughs> so um, this guy was a big time prospect a few years ago. He was. The, the Twins were very excited about him. Yeah, he hasn't. He actually has had a decent career. I think he's been on the big league roster the last three seasons. He's had uh, two or four seasons. Excuse me. He's had 276 with 41 stolen bases in that time. I uh, don't really know too much about him, although I do know he's just a strictly a utility guy. Um, doesn't have a ton of pop. Uh, we we demoted Lane Adams, which pisses me off. Which too. I think is a ridiculous move. He was the only guy who could pinch hit on this team. In so, fairness, he had what like two hits. He actually had three hits. He was three for nine and, and uh, as a pinch hitter and looked pretty damn competent up there to me. I'm, I'm not really sure why what, we have to demote Lane Adams. Which brings me to my next question. So if we bring in. This Danny Santana guy, Danny Santana. who's a utility player, plays multiple positions, mm-hmm. much like Bonifacio. Yep, or Jace Peterson. Why the hell is Bonifacio still on this team? I, I don't get it. I, I think I would have rather. Well, we already went over that. Let me start. Yeah, I don't really get it. Uh, he hasn't contributed anything. He's not a very good hitter. I think he has one pinch hit. As I've mentioned before many times on the podcast, beating a dead horse here, great for pinch running. Um, Is he that great, though? I don't know if he's great for pinch running. <laughs> I know he's got speed and, he, and can, can swipe a bag, so I, I like to have a guy like There's that a lot on my of guys roster. with speed. Yeah, no, I agree with you. We could Danny start, Santana has speed. Yeah, maybe that means that... But I would have rather, if you're going to make this move, I'd rather DFA Bonifacio, keep Lane yeah, Adams, and yeah, have I'm a better version of Bonifacio. Yeah, exactly. So it, it doesn't really make much sense here uh, for Coppolella. Uh, making this move to me and not getting rid of uh, Emilio Bonifacio, who really hasn't contributed anything. Uh, Once again, though, we're splitting hairs about the last guy on the roster who. Yeah, I, I mean, I think our bigger concerns all this shitty pitching. Our bigger concerns are the sh- is the shitty pitching and the fact that Nancy Swanson is still hitting one fifty. Yeah. Um, hopefully, Santana coming in is in the sun. Well, I'm not gonna say hopefully. I would have no problem with them. Sending Dansby down for a little while. I think I think you let him try and hit out of it. I, I think if you do this now, you destroy his confidence. Um, I think you got to give him at least through middle of June to see if he shows any signs of life. I think if he doesn't at that point, then you send him down. Forced to. Yeah. But I, I think you got to give him a, a two-month window. No, I agree. Now is not the time. Out. But maybe bringing in Santana as a yeah. sign, someone who can somewhat competently play short stop. Perhaps. And and the thing is, too, like I mentioned, he's, he's still struggling to play defense. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that Nansby's got to put together, and I think this thought that we had as a collective fan base that this was the future of the franchise, this is going to be our, our cornerstone guy along with Freddie. Um, you well, know, we just assumed it was going to happen. Well, Number one overall pick comes up, really takes the league by storm last year, and now he's... Um, He's hitting a rough patch, a beyond rough patch, and I think we just have to temper our expectations on him a little bit before he shows some signs of being able to hit his way out of this. Well, part of the blame that uh, Nick Markakis brought up was that it was pretty wrong of the Braves to center Dansby as like one of the big marketing promotions and put all this hype on Oh, the, did he say that? Yeah, okay. Markakis said that. Um He was just saying, oh, that's pretty shitty because he put all this, like he already has the pressure of being a number one pick. Then with the teams putting him in all these promotions and mm-hmm. touting him as the next Chipper Jones. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure to live up yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, as we're watching a fucking commercial. Yeah, and there's Dansby all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a good point. Maybe maybe the uh, 
you know him being anointed as the as the chosen one for lack of a better uh, he's, title. He's still a rookie. You got to remember that. Yeah, for sure. And and you hope he can hit out of it. And and I like the way he plays. It's just he hasn't shown any signs of really. There's a nice hit ball. You know, the, an unbelievable play. An unbelievable play. Poor Dansby can't catch a break. He crushes the ball to Correa. Correa makes this diving stop and then throws out Swanson. So, I mean, he you've seen him hit the ball hard. And he's shown signs that, you know, as a, as a stat guy, um, you know, batting average balls in play dictates, you know, literally what that means. When you actually hit the ball, what's your batting average? Um, non-strikeouts. And, you know, it's pretty low for him right now. And, and you like to think that that's going to go up, and he's had some bad luck, and he certainly has. But um, I don't know. I, I just know whenever I've seen him, it's either been, you know, some bad strikeouts, weak contact, or he smokes it, and it's right at somebody. There hasn't really been a lot in between for me. So I literally, we just did a whole segment on Danny Santana. Yeah. And then Danny Santana comes up to bat, and I see that name, and my head's like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So the debate before the season was, what kind of park was SunTrust Park going to be? Was it going to be a hitter's park or pitcher's park? Um, you know, we've been accustomed to pitcher's park for most of our lives, Adam and I's lives, because of, uh, you know, Turner Field. But... Uh, Adam has a nice stat for us that may give us some insight. So you know how the Hawks, Phillips Arena, is the highlight factory. Or was, yeah. Was the highlight factory. <laughs> I've anointed SunTrust Park the souvenir factory. The souvenir factory. That's about as creative as the highlight factory. Yeah. yeah that's not creative. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so already this year at the souvenir factory, we've given up 21 homers. The Braves have. Which puts us on pace to give up 130 Whereas the most ever at Turner Field was 95. And that was probably during the steroids era that that happened. Probably. And that, man, that's alarming. And, so, uh, I mean, I, yeah, ball fucking flies, man. I mean, I've been there three times so far. Each game I've been to, there's been at least two home runs. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I think you can make the argument about, you know, it being the new launching pad and all that hoopla, but I, I still think, though... The Souvenir Factory, you know, all the hype that surrounds yes, it. Yes, the Souvenir Factory. Kills me to say. Um, <laughs> but I think, regardless, these guys still have to give us a better effort pitching. I mean, it's not like they've been they've been pitching gems on the road, either. So, no. Um, and it's, it's probably a combination of both the pitching and the park, and it'll even itself out a little bit. But, yeah, early returns are not looking like uh, that... Home field advantage we were just talking about earlier. Nope. And then you got all these pitching prospects that you built your organization around toiling away in the minor leagues, kicking ass, and they're going to come up here and get a rude awakening. So we'll see how it works out. Then their confidence will be shot. Yep. And then we'll have to blow the team up again. We'll blow it up again. Have another rebuilding project. Fan support is going to be even worse than it is now. We lose this team as well. Yep. And I think that just leaves us with the Falcons, basically. We lost the Hawks last week and yep. the Thrashers earlier. Uh, and the United. I apologize. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, Braves aren't going to win anything until we're at least 47 and moving into a new park in, the ne- in uh, 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move back to Atlanta. <laughs> back to Atlanta. We're going to get a new mayor saying we got to bring this ball club back to the city. And we'll have to blow it up again. Oh, my God. So... A lot of positivity for you guys this week. Yeah. So, yeah, outlook for the Braves isn't great. So we're going to move on to a equally depressing subject in the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so the rumors were true about 
one, Mike Boldenhoser stepping down as uh, team president. He's going to remain head coach and also still be involved in player personnel, but he's not going to you know, be uh, team president anymore. Wes Wilcox has been removed from his general manager position and will now serve in some special advisory bullshit capacity within the organization. So what I'm hearing is they're just going to keep Wilcox until uh, to get through the draft. Mm-hmm. And then can his ass. Oh, really? So he's yeah. not going to be in some special advisor? Yeah, that's just the theory. Okay. Special advisor, that's like you clear out your office. I imagine we'd want to get a GM before the draft, wouldn't you? Well, you would. I know the search is it's on. It's so close, though. I mean, at this point. I think you got to bring in like somebody here. I think you got to bring in someone. Yeah, but I, I, you don't want to rush it, though. want to get the right person. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I don't know. Either way, this team's fucked. I'm tired of talking about them. But that's the general update on the Hawks is that our front office, as we knew it, is no more. And I think that's actually positive, a positive thing for the team because one of the reasons we're in the corner we're in is because of the new front office who, um, for some reason, decided to give a player who averages 11 points and four boards a game in Kent Bazemore a $70 million contract over four years and decided also to bring in an aged relic of a forgotten era, um, three years and what, eighty million or something like that. Yeah, but he likes to go party the night before the biggest game of the year. So yeah, and that's another thing—a perfect segue into the trials and tribulations of one Dwight Howard. Um, the game, the night before game, what was it? Game six. Game six of the Eastern Conference first round. Yeah, Jesus, what, what do you call that? The qu- not the quarterfinals. <laughs> Yes, technically. Yeah. Yes. Dwight Howard decides to go on a drive going 95 miles an hour in a 65-mile-an-hour um, road, uh, gets pulled over, and they discover that, one, his registration's been suspended, two, he doesn't have insurance on the car, three, he's going 30 miles over um, the speed limit, and he gets a warning. Yeah, that'd be a super speeder for most people. Yeah. He gets a warning. You should be going to jail when that happens. Yeah. I'm sure you and I would have gotten off with a warning too, right? I'm sure we would have been thrown in jail and then cried ourselves to sleep in, in the cell and then uh, posted bail and then our lives would have been fucked. Yeah. We would have lost our licenses. Yet his ask is to keep making $20 million a year and hang around the post like some fucking stump not doing anything. <laughs> That's what he is when he's in the post. He's a fucking stump just sitting there yeah. making millions and millions of dollars, averaging a... A fake-ass double-double when there's no one around him. So you're not a Dwight guy, I'm starting to... Well, it just pisses me off. You know, he bitches about not being involved in the offense, and yet he's being irresponsible. Yeah, it sounds like there's a good reason. Yeah, he's being irresponsible, you know, putting himself at risk, putting others at risk, going over the speed limit. Who knows if he was drinking or not? They said he wasn't, but shit, I don't know. You would think if he was... Well, you would hope that if he was drunk that they maybe would have arrested him. One would think, so I guess he wasn't drunk, but I guess he's like, but what are you doing out at that time of the night? Yeah. Driving around. Before, you speeding. know, when our season's on the line. Uh, Maybe he's coming from the gym. I doubt he's that. He's getting some extra post work. I in. doubt that. Well, regardless, you need to be going to sleep at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at the latest. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. That's bedtime. Yeah. Um, so he has no right to bitch. When he, when he doesn't take it seriously, you don't have a right to bitch when you do that. He's the equivalent. He, he is... He is the equivalent of a fucking child with, that's been spoiled and is overprivileged 
and then doesn't get something that he wants and then decides to go out and do something else that's just incredibly stupid. And then he's going to complain about not getting what he yeah, wants. Yeah, he, he lost any credibility in his complaints with that yeah, action. Yeah, that is a load of horse shit. And he lost more credibility than I lost with my Ryan Howard comment. Absolutely. And so, yeah, the, the organization's a mess. And, and Tony Ressler was interviewed by the AJC um, as well at the end of the year, the owner. And, you know, him saying that the goal is to try and build a championship caliber organization and all this stuff. This kind of shit, it's not championship caliber organization. You got guys that don't fuck around. If you want to win championships, you got guys that aren't doing this dumbass shit. At 2 o'clock in the morning. And then what did you say? He sends out a tweet at 4 a.m. saying true to Atlanta or whatever. Alexa said that, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear that you're true to Atlanta. Show me you're fucking true to Atlanta. Get off the goddamn Twitter. Get off the roads and go to sleep. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's the wrong time of the year to be pulling that crap. Yeah. And... Yeah, so so Mr. Wrestler, if you want to build a championship organization, you've, you've done the first... you completed the first task and... Getting rid of a, of a uh, a front office that had a, a coach in control of player personnel while also trying to coach that personnel couldn't separate, you know, player from asset. Now is the opportunity to get rid of dead weight and Dwight Howard. And I don't know how you do it. I know his trade value is really low right now, but that kind of shit shows me exactly the kind of person he is, and it makes all these things that's happened and all these other teams he's been on, you know, right, exactly. It gives credit to those things and eat the money. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want anything to do with the guy anymore. Like that's a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry. I know he didn't like kill anybody, rape anybody, um, beat anybody, but that just shows how reckless he is and how at the end of the day he really doesn't give a shit. If you give a shit, you're not doing that. I'm sorry. Have we heard Dwight's side of the story though? No, not that I know of. Maybe it was like taking his sick grandma to the hospital. Yeah, going, well, that would be an excuse to go 95 miles an hour, but there's no report of a sick grandmother. So, so, Dwight, if you want to come on Atlanta's own and tell us your side of the story to refute Graham's aggression towards you, you could be our second interview. You could be, and we would welcome you. <laughs> but I'm very upset at you right now, Dwight. Very upset. Um, Let so. me check my notes on the Hawks, what I wanted to discuss this week. Nothing. Nothing. Yep. I, I, I have notes on the Falcons, though. Oh, you have notes on the Falcons. Yeah. Okay. So, anything to add on the Dwight Howard thing? I know I kind of dominated that. I apologize. No. No. Like like I said last week, I, I just need a breather from these Hawks. Maybe I'll get a little more excited once the draft comes around. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot of draft picks coming up over the next few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just still have a terrible taste in my mouth from the way... Those last two games played out, and yeah. just that series, and, and then the aftermath. Yeah, and right. then, yeah, it's just been nothing but ugly offseason stories thus far. Um, so yeah, I got I got nothing on them. Yeah, and I feel you. I think we're gonna take a break from talking about the Hawks probably until the draft, unless something newsworthy happens, like the, the GM signing or something like that. Yeah. So. Yep. Moving on from them, uh, jumping straight into the Falcons news, which. Really isn't that much right now. Um, I know Hugh Thornton announced he would retire yeah, today. So uh, we picked him up to potentially play guard. He was from the Colts. So yep. We picked him up this year. We thought he could be a starter, and he bounced on us. Yeah, or at least a depth guy. Um, so he's gone. Uh, the drama just doesn't stop around Takaris McKinley. Announcing that his dog's name is Coding, 
which I thought was hilarious. Coding? Coding, yeah. Okay. He took a selfie with his dog, and it was a, and I hate selfies with a passion. I think social media is a bunch of horse shit, but even I had to admit, I was like, this is a cute-ass selfie with this dog. He's like, he's like got his arms, he's like, he's like positioned behind the dog. The dog's wearing a Falcon's jersey. The dog looks like a total badass. Yeah. He looks like a badass right behind him. It's kind of a smaller dog, too, so it's cute. And he's like, coding, representing the Atlanta Falcons with a Falcon's jersey. Time to rise up or something like that. And I was like, if he had any other name, that would be perfect. But he named his dog Coding, which makes me wonder. Yeah, that's not a good start to Karst. No, it kind of maybe needs to change the name of the dog. Yeah, like I said, I support support all the screaming at the dog. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. But, like, you but, name the dog Coding, that, that tells me that you like Coding. Yeah. And that kind of con- concerns me a little bit. Yeah, so him naming his dog Coding, I mean, it'd be like if I'd name my dog Beer. So, I mean, it's obvious that you probably have some sort of affiliation with this thing you're naming your dog. Right, so. and having an affiliation with beer is a little better than coding. And I think one of the, I think someone came out as a uh, former teammate or something like that saying, you know, this kid hasn't ever had anything in his life, you're going to give him $10 million or $5 million, whatever, millions of dollars. And you just got to see what's going to happen to his head and hopefully he surrounds himself with a good group of folks to, to keep him straight. Yeah, I mean, he's not with the team yet. I feel like once he gets with the team and gets mm-hmm. with some of the veterans and yeah. some mentors, he'll he'll be good. Yeah, and hopefully he lays off the uh, lays off the coding. Yeah, <laughs> if he's not insinuating that he takes it, but you got to think that. Yeah, yeah, could be a thing. So something not, could be insinuated, right? So none else, nothing else really going on with the uh, the Falcons. So we'll just move on to our uh, quick topic of the week discussion, Adam. And oh, actually, we, brief we have on. one. Yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, I was listening to a much better podcast than ours. It's probably the best sports podcast around, uh, part of my take. Ah, that is um, a good podcast. It was fantastic with uh, Big Cat and PFT Commander. And uh, I was listening to an older show of theirs uh, when they interviewed um, Theo Epstein. Uh-huh. And Epstein was talking about, you know, we decided to build um, in the draft – you know, when we were trying to rebuild this Cubs team, we decided not to draft as many pitchers and instead focus all of uh, you know our big draft picks on signing position players, which has led them to signing guys like Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, MVP, Kyle Schwarber, um, you know, guys like that right. to build around as opposed to building around pitching, which is usually the common thing that a lot of teams do, and it's the thing that the Braves are doing right now, where they have just drafted a bitch load of pitchers, and so. Seeing the uh, and, and Epstein's reason for this, which, which makes sense, it's just kind of like, you know, if you want to build a foundation, it's arguably, if you want to build a found, you know, Epstein's argument for this is if you want to build a foundation, um, you know, build a culture uh, in the locker room, it's better to do that with guys who are playing every day. And there's less of a risk of long-term injury like Tommy John that we're seeing so commonly now with uh, pitchers and um so seeing the success the Cubs have had they, they you know they built a contender um going back a couple years ago and now that contender has uh you know given them a world series with the strategy and they went out and signed free agent pitchers like John Lester John Lackey uh traded for Jake Arrieta and so they haven't um really built at all through pitching and just as I said focused on on positional players so Adam I want to ask you Given their success, and then looking at where we are right now, we can't at all determine how you know we're going to look two or three years down the road. 
But just thinking about it right now, what do you think in terms of that strategy compared with our strategy? It's hard to compare them because one's work, one's in process, but what do you think? Well, I feel like the Cubs were just, I mean, they hit so hard with their draft. They're, they're like once-in-a-generational talents. like With Bryant especially. Bryant yeah. and Rizzo that you just don't get that many opportunities to get a player like that that right. I feel like if had the Braves any of their drafts had a chance to pick a guy like that they mm-hmm. would have mm-hmm. but that player hasn't been out there when they're picking as high as they are perhaps not um and now you really and the Cubs did get lucky like Hendricks when they traded for Hendricks yeah or Arietta Arietta sucked, yeah. sucked in Baltimore yeah and they end up with two aces yeah. I mean so like really, Lester was the only guy that like they spent huge money on. Right, which is the Braves of being a smaller market team can't afford that. We can't afford to spend that type of money on starting pitching. So that's why I agree with the route we're taking. Hmm. And you just have to overload on arms because I mean, look at the Mets right now. Yeah, they're blowing up. Yeah, like you, Matt have, Harvey's out drinking all night. Cindergard uh, has been injured. It was injured for a lot of last year. He came into this year as pitching well, but kept getting injured and now he's out for he's on the 60 day DL yeah so DeGrom's the only pitcher worth a damn left in their rotation at this point like like Matt's like they've all like they had five that you're like oh these guys are good for 10 years and now look at them like a year and a half later right and now they're struggling to fill those holes and so you gotta feel good like you're saying about the guys we have waiting in the wings yeah and like we we haven't seen any of these guys like we've seen two guys well full T plus our two bums Whistler and Blair yeah yeah and those weren't I mean, Fulte was up there as far as being a big-time prospect, but yeah, um, our big guys are still waiting down there. Yeah, we, you, I mean, we've got like eight to ten of them. you got to be excited about Colby Allard, Mike Soroka, um, guys like that, um, Sean Newcomb. Yeah, you know. so, I mean, I, I think as far as Epstein's concerned, I mean, he's he's done it with a lot more money to spend than the Braves have. Agreed, and it's, it might be a little unfair. In Boston and Chicago. Yeah, so. it might be a little unfair to compare the two, but I think it's interesting to... At least look at it from a strategical standpoint. Yeah. Um, but I also get his thinking. And I wonder now that we've drafted so many pitchers, you know, our farm system is stocked with them. Um, do we start turning our attention to saying, okay, let's go really heavy on position players here? Because I thought that's what we were going to do last year in the draft, but we kept drafting more pitchers. I still think their greater plan is to just keep stockpiling and then trade them off for more known talent. Right, trade off some of them. The keep prospects, them. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't want to trade all of them. But no, no, yeah. but obviously you can't keep them all. But Right. No, I think that's a good point, too, because then you can flip. You can flip, guys. Um, people always need pitching. Yeah, like if our rotation gets set and we got, you know, say we got three of those top prospects up here, some of them bust out, some of them are still being worked on, but then you also have maybe – or maybe your rotation's filled out and you got two guys who are studs, but you're like, mm, no, no real room for you for the conceivable future. Then it's a greater good... for that big bat. So right. I, th- I think that's the greater plan. And yeah. And where we sit now, we're speaking like in the negative. Like we're in a lot better shape than we were a couple years right now, but we're just seeing more right. of the growing pains. So. Right. We're, we're stuck in the fact that as a team right now, we're not very good, but we're not looking at hopefully where we're going to be. So. But you also got to look at like looking at who we're playing right now, the Astros. I mean, they've built. I mean, they went big time rebuild. Mm-hmm. But they centered around guys like George Springer, Carlos Correa, and Correa and Altuve. Yeah, 
And I think that's probably got their, like you were saying, having those three everyday, everyday type players gets it's better for marketing too. Gets the team more excited, the mm-hmm. fans more excited. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I still copies got. I've got copies back still. Yeah, and you know I think we're gonna have to withhold judgment on Coppola until. Uh, I think the next three years will tell a tale of the tape. If all these, if we don't get really any of these graphics coming up kicking ass or anything like that, and Dansby's a bust, and you know things are doom and gloom, then I think it could be time for a change. But I mean, I'm not even suggesting that now. I'm just saying I know there are some frustrated fans out there who are thinking, you know, where the fuck are these um, these prospects? Why are we? continually promised a team that's going to be competitive and they're not. Um, so I get that, but I think you also just got to be patient. You got to be patient. We haven't had a firm system, especially from a pitching standpoint, this stacked in our lifetime. Yeah. Trust the process, folks. Yeah, I and mean, we've got to give it two to three more years. I'm not saying we can't be competitive before them. I'm saying until you know we can actually have a final judgment on whether or not this rebuild has, yeah. has worked. So Trust the process, but hold those in charge of it accountable if it's not going the way it's supposed to be. Indeed. Um, but give it time. And that's what everybody's got to do. So that wraps up our show for this week. Um, as always, thank you for listening. We are uh, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Twitter is ATL's Own Sports. Facebook at Atlanta's Own Sports Podcast. Um, maybe we'll record an episode this weekend. We don't know yet, but uh, no, nope, I'll be gone. You'll be gone, so we won't be. <laughs> we'll be recording again next week, and that's all we have for you guys today. Yeah, once again, folks, apologize for all the negativity on this show, but we at Atlanta's Own like to keep it real, if you will, and uh, we're not going to sugarcoat what we see going on. So if we see shit. We'll report the shit in a very negative fashion. Absolutely. Um, that's what we do. Years, the years have made us bitter and cynical. As I'm sure many of you are. Yep. Um, but when something positive happens, we'll be here to report it as well. And we'll um, be overjoyed. Indeed. So for Graham Waldrop, I'm Adam Kalau. Have a great evening, folks. Hospitality. Awesome.